This episode of the Talk Hard podcast is brought to you by Trailer Skips Tasmania and Full Bore Skip Bins. If you're doing a bit of work around the house and you've got large amounts of waste items from household waste, green waste, building or renovation waste or heavy waste items and your piles are becoming bigger than Ben-Hur, give Dern a call to organise your trailer skip or full bore skip bin today. Trailer skips use a unique design incorporating a skip bin built into a trailer for easy removal and tipping. Or if it's a normal skip bin you need, a full bore skip bin will be the one for you. You don't even have to pick it up or dump it yourself. Dern will deliver it for you and he'll take it away and dump it. How good's that? Give him a call today on 0409 801 635. Trailer skips and full bore skip bins. Don't go the half job, go the full bore. G'day, welcome back to the Talk Hard Podcast. Get ready for the ride, here we go. My name's Briley. My name's Jake. My name's Penny. And this is our father, Brendan Hinkson's podcast called the Talk Hard Podcast. Yes it is, it's not rocket science, read the title. Oh, thanks for that Jake. We've got some great people lined up for you guys and we hope you enjoy. Our father will be blabbling a lot of shite, so if you do enjoy, leave a review. Like and subscribe. Grab your miso and enjoy the show. Thank you and enjoy. Welcome to the Talk Hard Podcast. Such a big treat on today's show. An absolute pleasure to have AFL footballer Ryan Gardner. Uh, we talk about a lot of different stuff, um, starting with growing up on a dairy farm at Woolnorth and the hard work that he put in at a very young age uh, to get him to where he wanted to be, um, which is being an AFL footballer. So his um, journey hasn't come without setbacks. Um, he got uh, drafted to Geelong. Um, we talk about his early time at Geelong through to when he was delisted from the club and how he dealt with that and bounced back. The lifeline that uh, the Western Bulldogs threw him, the time in between uh, playing for Geelong and the Western Bulldogs and how he put his nose to the grindstone. And his career from that point culminating in playing in a preliminary final and the heartbreak of uh, missing out on the grand final and how he will bounce back from that. Um, yeah, he's just got a fantastic mindset and uh, it was a pleasure to talk to him. Um, he also opens up on a few funny stories uh, about a few uh, teammates that he has and a few of the antics that they get up to. And also there's a fantastic story thrown in here about him and how he got the nickname Plums, but you'll have to listen in to find out. We talk about the mindset of being an AFL footballer and how you have to look after your mental health and what he does to do that. Um, yeah, fascinating chat and I'm sure you're going to love it. The legend Ryan Gardner, welcome to the Talk Hard Podcast, mate. Uh, thanks for having me. How you, how you been, anyway? Yeah, really good. Um, good. Obviously, just started the off season, so pretty happy just to be having a bit of a break at the moment. So didn't let yourself go too much in the in the off season, did you? Oh, not too much. Yeah, they don't give you too much of a chance to. So as soon <laughs> as you are, as soon as you have a couple of beers or you know a couple of days off, you before you know it, you're back running again. So. Yeah. So we're going to work our way through this, mate. I'm a little bit nervous, yep. I will say. Um, not because I'm talking to an AFL footballer, but because I'm uh, <laughs> doing my first ever Zoom interview and I just don't want to cock this up. Um, no, this is good. But I'm tipping I'm not as nervous as you, mate, because I've heard the saying in AFL football, you haven't done anything until you've been on the Talk Hard podcast. So yep. 
This no, is gonna, that's exactly right. This is going to be the cra- crowning moment of your career so far, I'm sure. Um, so usually what I do, like a lot of the people that I get on and I, and I interview, I might have a bit of a personal connection to. But obviously, you know, the first time we met face-to-face was about two minutes ago. Um, yep. So um, what I'll do do with you is get you to go back to your early life, mate, and tell us where you, where you grew up and stuff. So you grew up in, was it Circular Head that you came from, that area? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm a um, Circular Head boy, um, yep. born in Smithton. Yep. Um, yeah, grew, grew up pretty much um, on a farm in Woolnorth. So yep. my mum and dad were dairy farmers for about 30 years. Um, stayed down there pretty much my whole childhood um, until I got to, I think it was grade nine when I decided to move to Maris. Um, one, of my, one of my best mates um, was going to Maris and I thought, why not? I'll, I'll go as well, yep. um, which was probably one of the best decisions I made because it kind of helped me get out of Smithton and um, start my kind of journey um, towards playing professional footy as well, I guess. Because yep. um, when I got to Maris, I learnt, uh, I met um, a, a guy there who was kind of a scout for the Fremantle Dockers and he, he actually got me down to to the Tabby Mariners where okay. um, yep. yeah, he just wanted me to try out there. So I decided to, um, to give it a go anyways and um, yeah, found myself, trying out for that and lucky enough to get in at 16 um yep. where i then played for a few more years while i while i was also playing with um with bernie with bernie yeah and then um after that we yeah i kind of just did that for a three years i think it was and then um lucky enough to head to there to geelong after that at, at the age of 18 um yep. where where i found myself there for three years and then um fast forward to now like yeah, on the list at uh, the Western Bulldogs. So. Yeah, yeah. So I you were pretty a quick rundown, but um, yeah, that's all right. And yeah. we'll, you know, we'll touch on a few sort of points of it. But you were a pretty handy footballer from an early age, mate. Were you playing in Smithton, were you in primary school and that sort of thing? Or yeah, not too bad. I mean, um, I, I definitely don't think I was the the best going around when I was younger. Like I saw other guys that were just as good as me or better. Um, you know, and. and Kind of just obviously had a dream, and I was I was really dedicated to that dream. Whereas yep. I guess some guys probably fell away or didn't have that motivation that I did. Um, I think that's probably one of my best attributes as a human is just um, you know I'm, when I have something that I want to do, or if there's some type of goal I have, I, I put everything I can towards it, and yep. and that's um you know that just helps me kind of reach new levels. Um, and yeah, and, and get to where I want to get to because yeah, I definitely didn't think as a, as a um, young guy that I was any better than anyone else. So I just yep. I just worked extremely hard. So you think that was sort of your big point of difference, your work ethic? Yeah, definitely. Um, yep. I've got no doubt that it was. Um, you know, I'd I'd spend most nights either doing some type of training towards football. Um, you know, even when it came to you know, as a young age, um, you know, guys are going to parties and drinking alcohol. Like I was known as that kid that that wouldn't really touch alcohol. Yep, you were driven. Um, yeah, I was just I was just so driven to to make to make it to the AFL and yep. Um, that's yeah, that's just how I kind of did it. I just I worked so hard and um, I guess I just started to improve from that because. I definitely believe the more work you put in, you know, you're just going to see results from that. Were well, you quite tall from an early age? Because what are you now? You're like six foot four or something, are you? Or? Yeah, six five. Yep. Um, I, yeah, definitely in my in my genes. So my my dad, um, he was around my height. Um, yep. and then my uncle was six seven, so he was, he was a monster of a man as well. So um, there's a bit of height on yeah either side of my family, which which obviously gives me a bit of an edge over some guys because when you got yep. a bit of height, that usually helps with footy. So yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. But 
again, I've I've seen guys that you know one of the guys in my team is one of the shortest people I've ever seen, yeah. <laughs> and he's an he's an absolute gun, and that's and that's Caleb Daniel. So um, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, doesn't height doesn't really matter um, in the long run. Yeah, I mean, it can give you it can give you a foot in the door, I guess. But again, it, it comes down to how hard you're willing to work and um, yeah. what you're willing to sacrifice to me. So, what age would you say that you did pinpoint and say this is when I want to make a career out of this? Yeah, I, well, I started footy when I was eight. Um, yep. Dad, dad, mum and dad, I think it came out of my room or something, and they they said to me, "Oh, do you want to go go down and play Oz Kick? Like, you know, try out and play some Oz Kick um, in Smithton." And I said, "Yeah, no, why, no worries. Like, why not?" Yep. And absolutely loved it. Loved every um, loved showing up and loved playing and um you know all the little games that came with Kick and i think you know at a pretty young age i was pretty dedicated to to making it to the afl i think that's when i started to have a bit of a dream of of making it and uh, my old man was not too bad of a footballer himself he never yep. made it to the afl or anything like that but yeah he was one always, of local legends you know, was he yeah yeah exactly just one of those local legends but he had so much wisdom for me in in the way that he was probably good enough to make it it was just that he he didn't have that work ethic. He he was um someone who loved to party and he probably took his you know his abilities for granted. So yeah, he used to he used to tell me that a lot at um at a pretty young age that not to take it for for granted. And um yep. yeah, both my parents are extremely hard workers. They obviously working on a dairy farm for thirty years. You don't really get a day off. You don't get Christmas off or anything like that. So yeah, the cows don't know what day it is. Yeah. <laughs> The cows don't know what day it is. They've got to be milked at some stage. So, um, and and every day they've got to be milked twice as well. So, yep, yeah, they they show up every every day to milk cows twice a day, and um, you know, they didn't obviously they had to, had to work a lot, so we didn't get to see them a hell of a lot as well. But um, you know, that kind of work ethic that they had, I guess that was you know what was instilled into me a little bit because it was you know watching them do that was pretty hard and um at the same time was just so inspiring as well and yeah i guess that's kind of something that they've given me yeah it gives you a good foundation doesn't it because they reckon the people learn from the people that are around them and if the people that you look up to are doing that then that's just expected isn't it yeah exactly um so you said that you were playing for for mariners the same time you're playing uh with the bernie dockers at the same time um did you have a few injuries in your draft year like did you have was it foot stress fractures or something that i think i read that you had a yeah pretty rough run yep, your, yep. your year that you were going to get drafted yep, yeah so. so i um i think in my two i think when i was 16 so when i first tried out for mariners i, I actually got accepted to go play the carnival um so you kind of do a carnival once a year where you go and play all the other states yep um, yeah, I was all set to play for that. Um, and then I, I think I was playing with Bernie um, the, the week before or something and I got a um, a really bad corky in my quad that right. ended up like calcifying and it ended up being like an injury that was going to keep me out for a few months. So I ended up missing the carnival, uh, which was devastating. And then, yeah, again, I think in, in my 17 year, late in my 17 year, I had a stress fracture in my foot, Yep. which again, um, yeah, kept me out for a bit of time. Um yeah, which which kind of I think I missed a bit of the two yeah the seventeen when I was seventeen I think I missed a little bit of that carnival and then yep. as an eighteen year old I actually had a pretty smooth run where I was okay. able to play all the games but yeah yep. um yeah had had a few injuries back then um, which kind of it's not really I don't I don't know if it would have changed much but obviously missing a few games um, hurts a little bit but I yep. probably still would have been okay. 
yeah, did you struggle with it at all, sort of mentally, like not having that continuity, or did you still, you know, you're confident that when you got your body right, you'd still be able to perform when you needed to? Yeah, I think I think again, it comes back to that um, that hard work. Like I, when I got injured, it was obviously devastating. You, I want to play in the carnival, but my mind just went straight to um, you know what's next, and you know the the next thing is obviously healing my body as quickly as I can. So yep. I was doing everything you know that I was told to do, and um and doing that to the absolute t so that i could get back as fast as i could so i think i think the way my mind kind of works is that you know when when things do go wrong i'm always looking for what's next and how you know how i can get to that point as quickly as i can yeah and that obviously you know served you well later on to to into your afl career which we'll talk about a little bit um later on but um yeah definitely in 2015, is it true that you you ended up playing on grand final day for the Allies, but you got called up at the last minute? Is that right? You were in an emergency or something? And you had a blinder yeah, on the yeah. day, is that right? <laughs> Don't know about a blinder, but yeah. <laughs> you must when, have stood okay. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I was, um, yeah. So I played, yeah, again, I played the whole um, under-18 nationals um, and then, um, yeah, got selected in the squad for the Allies game and, um, unfortunately, yeah, didn't quite make the team, but then last minute got a call up to um, actually play. So, yep. When I when I got the opportunity, I just thought, you know, this is this is the biggest opportunity of my life, really, in yep. terms of making making it. So I need to um I need to perform in this game because there's going to be that many scouts watching this game. Obviously, being on grand final day as well, everyone's going to yeah. be there. So, yep. Um, yeah, I just I just took it with both hands. The opportunity there was. Yep. It was either do that or, you know, if I, if I didn't have the best game, I probably wouldn't have um, been drafted, to be honest, because okay. when I was talking, once I actually made it to Geelong, um, their head recruiter there, they actually spoke about the that game and said that that's probably what I got drafted to Geelong off the back of. So, yep. massive game. Yep. I was going to ask you that. Did you have any indication sort of before that game that you may have potentially got drafted by someone or had certain clubs spoken to you or come to have a look at you or anything like that? Um, well, we, we, when we do, so before that game, they have like a, it's kind of like a draft. Um, they do a bit of testing. So you do, you know, vertical jump. Um, like the combine that they have now. Yeah. Com- yeah. Kind of combine type stuff. So we actually had one of those in Tassie and you, and you meet recruiters there as well. So yep. you kind of get an indication of a couple of teams that might be, be keen on you. And yeah, had a, had a couple of interviews, but you never really know anything until, um, obviously your name's read out. So, yep. Um, you know, I've got I've got plenty of mates that have had similar paths or have played um, AFL but had no idea they were going to get picked up or even guys that were meant to get picked up and then never got picked up or got told they're going to get picked up and didn't. So yeah. um, it's, a, it's a pretty cutthroat industry. Um, yeah. But I guess that's just how it is. But I, I was lucky enough, yeah, to talk to a few clubs and Geelong was probably the one that I never thought I would go to, to be honest. They, they kind of... I think I might have called me like two days before the draft yep. um, and said, oh, look, we're just doing some some finishing touches. Um, we're just going to have a chat. And then, yeah, the, the night of the draft, they, I ended up being their first pick out of the lot at 59, which was, to me, I was like, this is <laughs> pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> Did you go to the know, draft? It... Fight... Um, no, no, so I was at home. I, I actually watched it in um, Smithson. So we, yep. where we lived at the time, we couldn't actually watch it on telly at the house because we were, we were out on the farm. So I actually had to go into the local pub. Wow. And watch it there, so. <laughs> I reckon the pub would have erupted, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, no, it was pretty, pretty crazy. Me, Did they buy me, you mom, beer? My two sisters. <laughs> nah, no, no, no beers. I was too busy about worrying about what I'm going to do next. <laughs> I suppose if you'd given up the drink up until that point, you weren't going to let it yourself yeah. go the night that you got drafted, were you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was pretty crazy. Like to be able to, I guess, watch it in a pub with you know my family. Like it's probably one of the ones you don't hear of often. So yeah. Um, it was a good memory. We actually got the CT footage of it, um, and I've still got that on my phone today. Like of the actual moment where I've figured out I'm I'm actually getting picked up, and then you know I turn around to my dad and we're we're hugging each other and all of that. So it's a pretty special moment. Awesome. Yeah, you won't want to lose that one. No, nah, not at all. I reckon a few cheers went up though. A few arms would have gone up when you got drafted then. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> a few beers would have got sculled, not by you, but by the people around you, no doubt just a, a massive moment for me and my family you know the, the amount of work not only I put in but even for my family as well like mum and dad drove me to Hobart many occasions from Smithton yep um you know dad knowing that he's got a milk twice a day still again would would take me up to you know Mariners training and watch me train and then take me home he never missed a game any game that I played he was always there so yep you know the amount of time he put into me um in terms of just supporting what I wanted to do knowing that you know There'd only been ever one other one other person from Smithton to ever be drafted or to, to play AFL, I should say, not to be drafted from Smithton. I was the first guy, but um, you know, to be able to put all that effort in knowing that it's, you know, hasn't ever happened before or doesn't mm. happen often, um, is a massive thing for me. So Yeah, and there yeah. are a lot of the stories that you don't hear about, like, you know, the young the young fella gets drafted, but it's a big moment for the family, isn't it? Because mum and dad, you know, have to make sacrifices and drive them to training and you know, especially on the on the mainland too, like you hear of people having to drive for two hours to games and training mm. and things like yeah. that. Um yeah, yeah it's, it's obviously incredible. Yeah, it's 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 a big moment for everyone, not just not just for the young person themselves. Um, so so drafted to Geelong. Tell me about the first time you walked into the club. Had you ever been into a footy an AFL footy club before? Or um, I, I'd been actually, funnily, funnily enough, I've been. Um, I went through Western Bulldogs um, facilities um, with the Tassie Mariners as just like a kind of an introduction type thing. Um, yep. So I had been to one before, but yeah, no, the first day was was crazy. We we rocked up to the club, and um, I think it was around lunchtime. So all the all the um, boys who were having lunch. Um, the first person I met, I think, was Tom Hawkins. So, yep. you know, he's, you know, he said, oh, how you going, mate? I'm Tom Hawkins and chucked his hand out and I'm pretty much shaking, put my <laughs> hand out to like, you know, I'm, I'm Ryan from Smithton. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? so little fish um, in a big pond all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. It was a bloody crazy experience. Um, and then obviously training that day. And I think, you know, one of the first people I'm kicking with is Patrick Dangerfield. So, yep. Yeah, just crazy, you know. He kicks me the ball, and um, you know, I go and kick, try to kick it back to him, but I kick it along the ground. So I'm that nervous. It's just that kind of stuff. You just you don't really you don't really think of it anymore because once you're kind of in the system and you um, they become obviously your mates, and it's just like you know you're having a kick with your mate. But when when you first get there and you and you're kicking with these people that you've absolutely idolised all your life, yep. um, it's pretty crazy feeling. Like it was hard to wipe the smile off my face. You know, the whole day when you're training with these guys and you're thinking, how good is this? Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, you wouldn't want to shank one, that's for sure. Yeah. Because I'm tipping they don't, don't, don't shank too many. Now. Oh, no. Nah. No, not at all. Nah. <laughs> it's just not like breathing. All. Exactly. Um, so your first year, is it true? Were you given the famous number 20? Yeah, yeah. Steve, so I was Stevie Johnson's number? Lu- yep, yeah, pretty lucky. Um, obviously, when you when you go to an AFL club, if you um, get drafted, it kind of it goes off your draft pick. So if you were 
you're the first person um, drafted to the club, you'll get the most decorated number from the person that's just retired, if that right. makes sense. So yep. Yep. Um, I think Stevie J, um, he actually retired the year before I got there. Um, yep. So then obviously me being the first um, first draft pick at 59, they um, they gave me his number and then obviously it goes down the list as that, uh, that way. So yeah. Pretty lucky to um, get the number, but obviously just disappointing. I never really got to uh, run out in it. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I suppose at the end of the day, it's just a number. It's on your back and you don't serve. But did you feel any extra pressure or anything like that at all? Is that anything something that plays into players' minds at all when they inherit an, um, a, a famous number? Oh, definitely. I mean, you, you do think about it. You obviously know the, the person that's been in the, um, the Guernsey before you and um, yep. what they've been able to do with it. And I guess you do feel that kind of pressure, but... Um, at the same time, um, you just got to make your own legacy with that number as well. And that's the way you got to think of it is that you're not that person. You're a different person and, um, you know, your story is a different story to theirs. So mm. uh, at the end of the day, um, again, it, yeah, like you said, it is just a number on your back. It doesn't, it doesn't really define who you are. It's more to do with the colours on the front, not the number on the back, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Did anyone in particular take you under their wing in the early couple of years? Any of the the backmen or forwards? Were you mainly playing as a backman for your first couple of yeah, years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did anyone the backman? Did anyone sort of take um, yeah. you under their wing? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I was I was lucky enough at the time that I came in the club that um, guys like Tom Lonigan, who was probably my main um, guy to go to, I used to catch up with him a fair bit for coffees and just to have a chat. Um, yep you know, about my personal life or anything, really. He was a great, great mentor for me because he was obviously a legend of, of the game and um, someone that I really looked up to as well. So I had him, um, I had Andrew Mackey, um, Corey Enright. Um, the coach at the time was um, Matthew Scarlett. So obviously another Geelong legend there as well. So yep. um, I could, yeah, had so many good role models around me in terms of the position I played. I had absolute guns that, you know, won three premierships and um, had played, you know, over 200 games, pretty much all of them. So yep. I can kind of understand as well why it was why it was hard for me to get a game with, you know, the guys that I was going up against most weeks were, you know, absolute legends of the game. So they were pretty handy. It was just, yeah, yeah. But it was just a great learning time for me as well. Like there was nothing better than coming in to a club that had so much success and, to be able to learn off people that have had so much success as well. Um, so you said that um, Tom Lonigan was your go-to person. Was it like a mentoring program or anything like that? Was it was it something that the club actively tries to do with young players is to um, assign them to an older player to, to look after them? Or is it just something that you guys naturally did? No, you definitely, yeah, definitely. It's the, it, the comes down to the club and kind of um, the AFL in whole. When you, when you get drafted, um, you go through things such as like, you know, it's like an AFL camp to start with where you go through drug drug policies, gambling policies, um, all that kind of stuff in terms of, you know, do's and don'ts and, um, you know, traps that you can get caught into and different things like that. They also, when you get to the club, you you get kind of paired up, like you were saying, with um, with someone that you're probably going to live with for a couple of weeks before yep. you go into a host family. Yep. Um, host family being a, a, you know, just a person that, supports the club and is happy to have one of the um, new draftees and look after them for the year. Yep. So um, yeah, there's so much, so many networks and different things now that, um, that young AFL players have to go through or, you know, learn about so that they, they don't get caught up into the wrong things. So you played, is it 52 games in the VFL for Geelong? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Something around that, I think. Yep. 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 
Now, I know that you mainly played as a backman, but there is a story that at one stage you did play a game as a forward and you did have a bet with a fellow player that you were going to kick six <laughs> goals and you happened to actually go out and do it. Is that correct? <laughs> and it was around a yeah, special yeah. milestone for you? Yeah, yeah. No, that's did you, right. Did you I'm, want to tell I'm that sure story? I, know who, I probably know who's giving you that. Uh, I don't reveal my sources, mate, but yeah, you can probably, (laughs) you'll probably pick that up. Can you tell us that story real quick? Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, no, I was just, I uh, wasn't probably getting opportunity as an AFL, like at AFL level as a backman. So they swapped me to a forward role. And um, I remember one week we were in the change rooms just before we were going to go out and train. I think it might have been a captain's run. So the game was the next day. Um, Yeah, one of my teammates, Jake Collajasny, he, um, we were just chatting and then, as I do when I kind of around my mates, I get a bit a bit lippy sometimes, and you know, <laughs> you wouldn't be the first. Crap. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, anyway, just said to him, oh, you know, playing forward this week, I'll uh, I'll go out there and kick six, and he straight away is <laughs> like, there's no way, like, <laughs> don't even think about it. You're a backman. See, he's a backman himself, so yeah, I was like, he mate, doesn't I'll kick Yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh, I'll definitely kick six. I'm going to kick six this weekend. And he's yeah. like, let's put a bet on it. And I was like, yeah, no worries. And we, we had planned on going to America at the end of the year as like a little footy trip. Um, and I said to him, all right, well, you, you can pay for my flight to America then if I, if I kid six this weekend. <laughs> and we shook on it and everything. So it was, it was bizarre. And then um, obviously that weekend was my, my birthday as well, my birthday weekend. So yep. I think, yeah, I think my birthday might have been the day before, the day after the game. Yeah. So I, wow. anyway, had the family over and um, had my best mate there as well. So we just like, I just genuinely luck. I think like the first, I think the first goal I might kick. Um, and then within another five minutes, I had another one. And <laughs> it was just one of those days where nothing could go wrong. Seriously. You thought like, I'm on was, yeah. I had it on a string. It was just bouncing the right way into my lap. Like people were probably thinking this guy's the luckiest guy ever. <laughs> was, uh, there was, you go. Was, was Colin Jasney watching the game or was he just, did yeah, you have to let so, him know afterwards? after the game so those boys actually play in the state um yep. and we're just keeping up obviously with like the tweets and stuff that were coming through and yep. apparently on the bus the um the boys are heading to the game and stuff and like they're all just like into collar like oh god he's got four god he's got five like he's almost <laughs> there and then after the game apparently the um chris scott's written on the the whiteboard and said gardener six or whatever and then yeah, the boys erupted and it was pretty funny and then I don't I don't know how it got out after that, but it ended up in like the, the newspapers and stuff. And they'd put like, yeah, they'd put like a photo of me and then Jake and saying like he's going to pay for you know paying for my flights and all this stuff. And yeah, I think they might have even blew it out even more. They were like he's paying for his complete America trip and stuff like this. So <laughs> it's pretty he, funny. I won't ask if he went through with the bet and actually paid <laughs> up, but if he shook on it, you'd like to hope that he did. Yeah, but yeah, it wasn't just a six pack. It was pretty high stakes. Yeah, it was pretty high stakes. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't make him pay for it. He, um, we actually, I didn't end up going in the end. I don't think. I think they might have still went, but I ended up staying back. So. All oh, right. So he still um, owes you a trip. Yeah, man. he still he still owes me. So um, <laughs> maybe one day I'll I'll come to him with it. So. <laughs> well, if you made a bet with him that he was going to kick six, you'd be pretty safe, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> Double yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, it's pretty funny actually because it took him. I think he's played 140 something games, and it, and it was this year that he kicked his first goal in the yeah. in the AFL. He was going yeah. as the longest standing AFL player not to kick a goal or something. So <laughs> probably not a record that you Pretty want, funny. really, is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you played with the Cats from 2016 to 2018, is that correct? 
Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Started 2016 and uh, yeah, 16 and finished in 19. Three years. Yep. 19. Yep. So tell us about the the delisting process then. What actually happens there? Does, is it you called into a meeting and they or do you sort of get an inkling that it's likely to happen or take us yeah, through that yeah, time? Yeah. So yeah. Oh, it's um, it's one of the it's it's pretty hard to explain, but it's a um, it's crazy kind of feeling. Obviously, you're so disappointed, but um, it's probably something you don't see in workplaces like this is when I say like what I'm about to say, that it's it's something that like you don't see ever in other jobs, like to go through what you do, you play footy, obviously um, you get contracts and you, you want to keep getting contracts and, you know, you come into work some days and they're like, oh, you need to be better, but how do you be better and different things like that. So um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy. But what, what happened is you pretty much, um, you kind of get an inkling because you know that, uh, obviously you're not you haven't got a contract yet so um, you know that you're kind of on the chopping block at that at that point so you're kind of just waiting to see what happens and then um, finally you'll get kind of a meeting which um, is with the head coach so for me it was Chris Scott and um, and the head um, list recruiter in um, Wellesley so I pretty much went into a room um, and they're all in there and you you pretty much sit in the seat and then they go oh Day Ryan, we're not going to go with you again the next year. We're not going to renew your contract. Um, thanks so much for everything you've done with the club. Um, we know, you know, and then a couple of other things, but that's pretty much it. And then that's just like, see you later, like out you go. Yep. Um, it's, it's, yeah, like I said, it's, it's something you probably would never see in another job in terms of, um, you know, because in, in another job, if someone did that to you, you could probably take them for unfair dismissal or something yep. like that along those lines. But that is just the industry that, um, that I'm in, in terms of it's, it's so cutthroat. Like, you know, you could be in the system for one year and, and be out the door the next. Mm. So that was, that was pretty much the conversation. Like that was probably as long as the conversation went, it's just, you just got to be able to take it and go, yep, no worries. Um, yep. And then if you, if you are still willing to do it, you got to try and find somewhere else. Tell us about the next few days then after that, like mentally, I, I, I can't remember where I heard it, but they said that it's, it's very different to, to being like sacked from a job or something like that, because when you go to a normal day job, you you're working with people that are just acquaintances. Whereas football clubs, they become like family, like become like your brothers and things like that, because you're there with them day in day out, um, you know, and you're all working towards a, a, a common goal. So sometimes it, it can actually be harder to to step away from that because that's the life that you've known for the last two or three years. So how did you cope mm. with it? Oh yeah, no, that was once I came out of that meeting room. Um, so we have at footy clubs, you kind of have a, a person that's there for, um, he's, he's more there for your development. So he's, he's there to look after you. He knows you're on a, obviously on a, a mateship kind of level. Um, he's, he's also obviously trying to get you to do uni and different things throughout the year. Um, he's there for your support, like all that kind of stuff. He's, that's the person's role. They're there to look after the players. So he was actually pretty much there as soon as I came out of the meeting room. And as I'm walking out of the, obviously out of the, um, stadium and out of the facilities I'm um, chatting to him and yeah like it was it was one of the hardest conversations I've ever had to have with someone like obviously my mind is going to places where you know I'm, I'm no longer an AFL footballer I've been delisted I need to try and find the next avenue I, I haven't got uni finished or anything like that so I don't know what I'm going to do for work like you know what I mean like you've got all these thoughts that are just quickly rushing through your mind and um, yeah we had a we had a pretty deep conversation um a lot of tears shed um from both of us 
um, which was it was it was a hard conversation. And then to hop in the car and then the, to know that the next conversation I'm having with someone is I'm calling my dad to tell him that you know. Um, I haven't played an AFL game and I'm going to be delisted from the from the CACs and um, yeah, I'm going to have to try and find another option to see see what can happen and um, it's a, it's a tough conversation to have because yep. it's you know you got to, you've got this dream of playing AFL and then um, you don't obviously quite get to where you want to get to and now you're um, you're calling one of the people that has been there that whole time for you and wants nothing more than see you succeed and you got to tell them as well that uh, it's not going to happen definitely at this club so um yeah it was it was a hard few days it was, it was a hard few few months or you know months to come after that as well like i it definitely was probably one of the things that rattled me the most today like in terms of being delisted it was it was so hard yeah do you remember what your dad said when you rang him did he give you any particular advice because obviously he couldn't be there for you i'm sure what, the, yeah. what he wanted to do is put his arm around you but what what did he say to you yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it was it was more along the lines of um, you know, he was obviously really upset as well, and he was feeling for me, and um, he was just more trying to get me to look at. It's not over. I'm obviously still young, and um, to keep trying to, I guess, look at the next chapter and see where we can go from there. Um, obviously a lot of disappointment as well. He, I, I feel like he takes things, you know, more personally than I do like when I you know when I have something happen to me I feel like he gets more upset at it than I do in a way like he's just that invested in in me in terms of my football and in, in my life so yeah um I, I knew that calling him that it was going to be I was going to rock him pretty hard but um obviously a conversation that I needed to have and I needed to have it with him because he's a you know probably the, the one person that um I'd go to first so yeah he's on the journey with yeah. you isn't he so I know that you were eventually threw, thrown a lifeline by by the Footscray VFL team, but in those cup those weeks and days after you are delisted, obviously you had a manager at the time. Is it just canvassing other teams just to gain interest? Is that what normally happens? Or yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, pretty much they inform your manager as well. Um, he's he pretty much knows um, before you go into the meeting really to be told you're delisted. So he's straight straight on to you straight away. Pretty much um, are you okay? You know. Let's look at our options, different things like that. But um, yeah, especially being a guy who um, had played played on an AFL list for three years and not playing an AFL game, it makes it extremely hard to have any kind of currency. Guess, yeah, currency. It, it makes it hard. Like when you play AFL games and you've got AFL games behind you, it makes you much more desirable than someone that's been on a list for three years and then being chucked chucked out. Yep. So. Yeah, it was tough. I, I probably knew, we probably both knew that we were obviously hoping, but it was, wasn't looking too promising. So it was the next step was probably looking towards, um, okay, what do you want to do next? Do you want to try and play VFL? Do you want to go play, go to Adelaide? Do you want to go play in that league? Do you want to go to Perth? Like, you know, as soon as you get delisted and then the news comes out, you start getting clubs from just everywhere. Like everyone wants to try and get you to their club um, and try and, you know, try and snag you up. If yep. you're not going to get back on an AFL list. So I was, you know, I was even getting offered coaching roles back in Smithton and um, just about everywhere. So yep. you kind yep. of just take a bit of time to obviously get your mind right and figure out what it is you want to do. Um, for me, I I personally was like, I, I don't feel like I'm, um, I'm done yet. I don't feel like I've achieved what I wanted to achieve out of this. And um, for me, that meant, okay, well, what, what do I want to do? I need to play at the highest level that is an AFL so that I've got the best chance getting picked up. So 
Yeah. And I didn't really want to leave Melbourne. I, I did actually go for a, an interview in Adelaide um, with an Adelaide club to, to maybe play there in, in their league. But um, I obviously heard of the mid-season draft coming in and was like, well, I, I think my best opportunity is if I can get to a club, a VFL-aligned club that is, um, you know, that, that then I've got a chance, best chance at actually getting back in the AFL at the mid-season point because... Yep a lot of clubs are probably going to draft out of their own VFL just because of knowing the system and different parts like that. So, mm. yeah, so it was, it was a bit of a time of thinking and I, um, I actually decided between two clubs, it was Footscray and Casey. Um, Casey obviously being aligned with Melbourne and then, yeah, Footscray being aligned with the Western Bulldogs. And yep. um, I remember going and, you know, I had dinner with the, with the Casey coach and, um, I was I was actually nearly set on them to be honest. I was like, I'm I'm going to go to Casey, and then I would just just because obviously I was in Geelong and Footscray was on this side of the city, and it, it just seemed like it was going to be a lot easier for me to go to um, Footscray in terms of where I was working in different parts like that as well. So yep. I was lucky enough, yeah, to choose Footscray, and um, yeah, just lucky enough to be getting thrown to a lifeline halfway through that year. Yep. And and you talk about working. I think that as I did my research, I think that's one of the, the greatest things about your story is you went back to working life and you went back to working three jobs, didn't you? You you were pouring beers at a pub, apparently. Yep. So when I decided to play with Footscray, they um one of their major sponsors um is a guy who owns the railway um pretty much near the club. Um yeah, it's called the Railway Um Hotel and it's in Yarraville. Um yep. it's his his own pub. So they pretty much said, Oh, look, we can we can get your job. This would be the job. Um, I did a bit of bar work when I was younger, so I was like, yeah, I know how to do it. It's easy. Um, obviously, my main goal is to get back onto a list. So, oh, and you beauty, yep, I'll, I'll do that. Um, obviously, as well, coming off of an AFL list and the money that you're on playing AFL, you start to realise pretty quickly that um, if you don't have something behind you and you've got to go work these jobs that, um, you know, only working one of those jobs is probably nowhere near the income you need and especially living in in melbourne so i decided to um yeah get another job with a mate from a, a mate um who has a kind of a shoe company called x blades and um yep. just pretty much working in his factory just pick packing um so that was another job and then um another guy from geelong um had a steam cleaning business so i was helping him out as well um and then on the side of that i, I was doing my uni as well i was started pretty much doing full-time uni um, and just trying to work everything um, in as one. So, I was, yeah, I was busy as hell. Like, I was working pretty much all day and then going to training or doing uni all day, going to training or, you know, uni and work. Yep. It was, yeah, it was it was mental. Like, I was just pretty much grinding myself into the ground in a way, but um, just had that focus on getting back in, into an AFL team or into a club um, by the, by the mid-year. Yeah, and and obviously that work ethic that was ingrained in you came in, you know, came in good stead at that time of your life, didn't it? I think that's one of the the great things about your story, you know, regardless of what you do in football, is that there's there'd be a lot of people that would say, well, stuff this, you know, I'm an AFL footballer, and you know, I'm good enough to do that and do this and just focus on their footy and that sort of thing. But you had to, you know, put your nose to the grindstone and actually survive yeah. there for a certain amount of time, didn't you? Yeah, definitely, and I think you know that's something that I um when I reflect on myself, I think I, I love about myself is that I don't, at, at any point, I've never really seen, you know, being an AFL footballer is anything different than anyone else. I'm, I'm just a regular person that 
um, just wants to work hard in, in the field that he's, you know, wants to work in, that, that kind of thing. So for me, it was just about how do I get back here? And, um, you know, there's no, you know, whatever job I've got to work, I've got to work that job. Like I'm no better than anyone else. I'm, I'm going to work that job and I'm going to get back to where I want to get to. So um, yeah. there was no, you know, there's no thinking about, oh, I'm not going to go work at a pub because I used to play AFL football or something like that. It was just, yeah. I'll go work at a pub and I'll get back on an AFL list. That was, that was just how I saw it. Yeah. Is um the Railway Hotel, are they one of your sponsors now or something? Do they sponsor yeah. them? Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The the guy who owns it, um, Jason's his name. He's um a really close mate of mine now as well. But yeah, yeah, he, he obviously gave me a job and I was grateful for that job and um, you know, worked just as hard there as I did when I was playing footy. I didn't didn't take it as an option just because obviously, you know, playing he's obviously a massive fan of the club so i could have you know i probably could have just sat there and did nothing all day and he'd, he'd still pay me but yeah. <laughs> um you know to me i was just that grateful that he, he was you know willing to give me a job not even knowing me he met me off a handshake and said yep i'll hire you so yeah um i was just grateful for that and um yeah we ended up making you know being becoming really close friends and um yeah he ended up sponsoring me once he got mid-season drafted and he's been my sponsor ever since so awesome i'm tipping you'll probably stick with him yeah, yeah, no, he's good. <laughs> Sounds like a good always, Yeah, it's always great catching up with him when you go to the pub. So drafted was it? So was it only in that one year that you were playing in the Bulldogs in the for the for the Bulldogs in the VFL? You got drafted that year, so you only had to sort of play half a year in the VFL. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. I um, so I pretty much yeah started playing. I think I got two or three games in, um, and I was playing up forward at the time as well. Again, they right. they started me as a forward. So yep. I think I played yeah two or three games and then um, I remember I was at I was working out at my job at um, the shoe place at, at X Blades and um, I remember getting a call from uh, Western Bulldogs head list manager and he pretty much just said um, mate can you um, can you come in early before training I just we just want to have a chat to you um, you know and at the time I was thinking oh geez like obviously that's got to be good news um, so. Yeah, head, headed to training and um, walked into a room where, to my surprise, it was um, Luke Beveridge and him sitting in there and um, pretty much, you know, closed the door behind me and um, Bevo pretty much was the one that spoke and just said, mate, look, we're going to we're gonna pick you up um, in the mid-season draft. Um, we're telling you now because we don't really want anyone else to have a look at you. So we're, we're actually going to pretty much play you out of position in a way and, um, and, and just see how, you know, Kind of just put you off the radar a little bit because um, yep. I was I was going okay at the time like I was kicking some goals and um, playing okay so um, I was just I was just stoked when I heard those words come out of his mouth like it was just a lot of relief because mm. um, you know I put again put so much work in and really wanted it and um, to be able to get that second opportunity it was just amazing and um, I remember just coming out of that meeting and going straight straight back to my car jumping in my car and calling dad straight away and just you know, the enjoyment of being able to say that to him again, that they're going to pick me back, like um, the Western Bulldogs is going to pick me up and I'm going to get a second opportunity at it. So, yep. um, we, you know, we both really shared a, a great moment there again. So Yeah, a lot of emotions going through the cow farm back home, wasn't there, yeah. after that 12-month period? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so, obviously, you, you got to your, uh, your senior debut. You, you played as a forward in your first game, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I, I, um, I played both my first two games as forward. So they actually did recruit you as a forward. They, they wanted you to be a forward. Is that right? Yeah, they, they, well, they had the, um, 
obviously recruited me to play. I think they recruited me to play as a back. That was the kind of the talk right. going around. But at the time, um, we kind of needed uh, a forward, like a yep. tall forward that could make a contest. That was that was probably what they were saying to me more. That obviously you've been playing some forward time in the VFL. Um, we're going to play up forward again because we kind of need you to play there. Yep. So that was obviously my introduction into AFL. Yep. And um, obviously, if you, you kicked your first goal in your first game, but I think a more um, special moment when I did a little bit of research there was your dad actually came over and presented your first Guernsey to you. Yeah. yeah. yeah Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah, it was a really emotional night. It was um, obviously, you know, to be told, obviously to get picked up for a start. Um, and then literally the next morning after I've been picked up, be told I'm going to play your first game of AFL football um, that weekend, which was only a couple of days away. Um, and then obviously, and that was my birthday weekend again. For some reason, yep. it's always seems to be my birthday weekend. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, to be head, head over to uh, Perth um, for my first game and um, have Dad come in that night and before the game and pretty much present me with that Guernsey and just, you know, just the feelings that were going around, um, both me and him and, and my family. Um, it was just a, I felt like I achieved something um, that, you know, I'd been trying to achieve for so long and that something that I wanted him to be able to be be a part of as well. And so when he was the one that was giving me my Guernsey, yeah, it was such a special moment to me because it was kind of a thank you to him as well for all the hard work he's been able to, you know, do for me as well. Yeah, excellent. Did you know he was coming over? Yeah, yeah. So yep. they, I knew they were going to come. Um, yep. Obviously, straight away, we, we wanted them to be at the, at the game, obviously yep. being the first one. So got them on a flight pretty much straight away and, um yeah just absolutely happy to have had him there yeah um and so for your first couple of years you had a few injuries again did you with the bulldogs i know this year was um you, you sort of um, came good your body wise into the finals but you have had a few sort of injuries over the last couple of years haven't you yeah yeah so i um i played that game was my first one and then the next weekend um i played again against carlton and then i um i got dropped and and played BFL, I think, the week after that. And then did my, in that game, I actually did my PCL. So did my posterior knee and um, pretty much missed the rest of the season um, up until finals. I think I got back for two VFL finals or something. And that was that was the end of it yep. for that year. Um, and then the following year, I had a pretty smooth run, luckily. But, but the unlucky thing about it was that obviously COVID hit. So... I think we played two games and then the season got called for a bit. Um, and then I ended up, um, I think I came, we had to go to, to Queensland and stay in a hub up in Queensland for most of the year. Um, yep. And then, yeah, I kind of struck struck myself back into the team and um, actually got some continuity under my belt where I played, I think, 10 games in a row, including um, a, a final, an AFL, an AFL final. So yep. um, that was probably the turning point. That, that really... I started to click there and um, and that started to really get me moving in the right direction. Yep. So tell us about playing in AFL finals. Obviously, you know, there's there's games and there's big games, but the pressure obviously goes up a level. Um, what What's it like running out onto a ground in, in a final, knowing that there's that extra pressure on you? Oh, it's, it's crazy. Like, um, I guess the, the one that got me the most, obviously, was probably the one that I played, um, my, obviously, my last game where we played um, Port Adelaide in a preliminary final. And, um, yep. yeah, before the game, um, you know, we get, to the, we get to the ground, we're putting all of our gear on and stuff and you're getting ready. And I remember my legs were, like, 
just twitching, like just would not stop pulsing and stuff. Like it's just it's crazy what your body starts to do when you when you know you're going to be under so much pressure. And yep. I remember going up to the to the doc at the time, being like, "You, you need to give me like a, a muscle relaxant or something because I'm <laughs> I'm genuinely can't even walk here at the moment." <laughs> Short of whiskey. Um. Yeah. So. Um. But. I guess the way that I kind of dealt, you know, started to learn to deal with it was to be actually able to go because you, you get you get the opportunity before the game to go out onto the ground and you know have a kick and different things like that. So I love to take that opportunity. I go out there and um, you know grab a footy and start having a bit of a kick in front of you know people that are watching, obviously. So it kind of just gets you into the into the feel of what what you're about to go into. So yep, you know, it's just to feel the vibe of the crowd and different things like that. Um, it just makes it so much easier and then you know you start to calm down a bit and and then you know you, you start prepping and stuff and getting ready for this game and then yep. it all builds straight back up again because you're you're about to run out there and um especially in this game like when i don't i don't know if you've ever been to adelaide oval but when it's port adelaide's home game and it's adelaide oval and there's freaking i don't know how many they pack in there but it's jam-packed full of people and they're, and they're, they're all mental. holding these scarves and then these scarves say you know never tear they're playing never tear us apart and yep screaming out of the you know screaming the roof off the place and different things like that like it's just it's incredible it's um it's pretty uh it's pretty daunting when you you know all you can hear is the opposition's um supporters and and you're going out there and you're playing for an AFL grand final. It's, um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty crazy moment. Mm. And you started on the field that day, did you? Yeah, yeah, yep. started on the field. Um, yep. Who were yeah, you matched a, up on? Um, so pretty much just playing on the second um, tall. So we had, they usually played Tory. Um, they played Dixon as their biggest, um, probably the deepest guy. And then I'd, I'd play in the next deepest. So I was, I was probably taking the, their backup ruck or someone along those lines most of the yep. night. But, didn't really have an exact matchup. It was more just um, I'll play on the next tall. So yep. So whoever wandered down so, there, you take them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Whoever wandered down there that was around the same height. Yep. Which, that was that was probably it. So um, yep. But yeah, just incredible to be a part of. Yeah, and just t- just talking about your matchups, I know um, Harry Taylor. I've heard about he kept like a notebook on all different players and things like that. Do you do a lot of research into who you're likely to be playing on and watch a bit of vision and things like that? Yeah, I, I used to be really heavily into it. I'd watch it a lot. Yep. Um, now, not so much because of the role that I play. Um, I'm just obviously playing. I don't really have an, an exact matchup. If I, if I have an exact matchup, then, yeah, I'll go through vision on vision on certain people and, you know, what they're going to most likely throw at me. Yep. Um, but more more so now, I'm, I'm looking at, like, a it's more of a team um, – looking at their whole team, like how do they want to move the ball? How are they yep. going to kick the ball into the forward line? Um, you know, what what kind of setups they run with? Do they run with six? Do they have six forwards? Do they go with five forwards? Um, some teams like Richmond, um, they'll have like Dustin Martin will play as like a Hollywood forward, which is like pretty much he'll be the only guy inside the 50 and they'll push all their other forwards up. Yep. Different things like that. The, the reason why I go through all that is so that we know kind of like what we want to get as well. So we don't really want to have you know, one-on-ones and different things like that. We really want to just have, we want to make sure that we're always helping each other. So, um, yep. you know, if I can go through that vision, then I know exactly what it is that I need to, you know, how I need to set the field up or set the backs yep. up because being those um, deepest guys, we've got to be the ones that set most of the, the guys up in front of us up. So yep. we're pretty Excellent. much like the guys that are the loudest. So, yeah, we've just got to make sure that, that we're on at all times. Yep. 
Yep. And you're quite vocal out on the field, are you? Yeah, I, I don't. I wouldn't say I'm the most vocal person to be around uh, in a general sense. Like you know, when people meet me, I'm probably a shy guy, someone who doesn't talk that much. Um, but when I get out on the ground, it's it's just a it's a must. Like if you know, if I want to keep my position, I will keep my role and keep my position. I've got to be vocal. So yeah, yeah, I get a little bit of uh, you know white line fever or a little bit different when I when I'm playing footy. But yep. um, yeah, yeah, when when I'm not playing footy, I'm probably yeah probably a little bit more quiet. Yep. Are you a bit of a sledger out on the field? Do you ever get into a bit of niggle with anyone or do you just sort of worry more about what you're doing? Or? Uh, I'm more worried about what I'm doing at the time, but um, it depends. Like, you know, if I if, if things are probably, you know, if I'm getting a bit angry and different things like that, then I'll probably start sledging a bit more, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not too much of a sledger. Some people that more raises like, their game bar, hit, hit them in the back and different things like that. Oh, right. Know, um, so just coming back to them. Yeah. yeah. Just um, coming back to the prelim again just quickly. So, obviously, Port were raging favourites in that game. Um, I think a lot of people had them basically just as a, you know, just a, an armchair ride through into the grand final for there, from there. And you guys just came out and absolutely annihilated them. Can you put it down to anything in particular in the lead-up? Or was it just one of those nights where everything clicked? Or was there a specific mindset going in from the coaches or from you guys? Was there a theme? Yeah, um, yeah there's us. definitely a mindset. Like, we... I guess our whole final series this year was um, it was kind of like you know we we got the shit end of the stick every single game like you know we had to go and travel to certain states even like when um, we played Port Adelaide here that like they got to we had to quarantine in Melbourne when we had no cases and they had to they didn't have to quarantine or anything they just get to fly like it was literally we were quarantined so that they could fly into Melbourne so you know we we just got the worst part of it every single time so our our kind of motto was um, around that. Like we just, instead of getting shitty at it through the week and at each other for stuff that we had to put up with, which we weren't exactly that keen on, um, we just said we're gonna we're gonna take it out on the opposition. Like that's that's our motivation towards them. Is you know, we've we've got to do all this crap that no one else does. So we're just gonna take that out on you instead. So it banded you together. How we, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's and it just banded us together. We just started to get on a bit of a roll and um, in in the final series where we just we just knew everyone was going to rock up and play the right way and um, it just kept building and everyone kept riding us out and it just made us more hungry and more you know more determined to win I think yep. so yeah um, I think that's what really really helped us was yep. that you know everyone was kind of saying oh these guys will be out this week or you know oh, they've got to travel here so they're, they're not going to be favorites but we were like you know we'll just Keep proving your own. Mm. And you did, yeah, absolutely. So you you won through to the to the grand final. So grand final week, obviously, that's the highlight of, of any player's career. What was that week like for you? And obviously, you know, we, we know what happened at, at the end of it, but did you sort of yeah. have any feelings that it might go that way or did you did you think you'd be okay? Um, or? I, I obviously with um, Alex Keith coming back in, um, he'd had such a great year in in the whole year. Um, he played really well the whole year. I think he might even came fifth or something in the BNF. So he had a, he had a great year, but um, we knew that he was probably going to be one of the people that comes back in. Um, so I obviously knew it was either me between me or maybe another guy. Um, so yeah, he had a kind of, I had a kind of an inkling that um, someone had to come out and to bring him back in. So I, I didn't think it was going to be me, but, um, I guess that's that's the exact same as um, the other player that I was going up against. He was probably thinking the same thing as well. So, yep. 
Um, you don't really know until you kind of get that text or that call that, that says, oh, can you come have a chat? And then you, you're like, yep, no worries. And you probably know by then that it's you know, not going to go your way. So yep. it was a really, yeah, really difficult um, kind of time, I guess, a difficult situation to be in. Um, but, you know, looking back on my year and all of the, uh, again, all of the things that I had to go through in this year in terms of injury and, um, you know, being able to come back from two, two AT surgeries um, to be able to, able to play after that even i was i was pretty happy so um and 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 to play in a prelim a winning prelim like that's a a big achievement in itself so yeah i just had to look at all the positives obviously at the time i was gutted and devastated and um it it was so hard to be because another thing about you know the the career that i'm in is that when stuff like this happens and all you want to do is just you know be angry and disappointed and upset you've actually got to do the opposite you got to try and support the team and um support the guys that are playing and get them up and about and different things like that so i'm torn you know at the time i was torn between feeling upset and trying to be as supportive as i could so yeah um it's definitely a hard hard thing to go through but um yeah reflecting on it now i'm just super grateful to be able to even get back to play yep would you say that you you enjoyed grand final week or looking back, was it sort of a bit of a stressful week for you? Um, no, I definitely, definitely liked it. It was, it was such a, an amazing experience. Like it's, it's so different than any other game um, that you play. Like the whole week you got people that are just trying to just catch a glimpse of the team or, you know, the squad in general and um, everyone's, you know, rocking up at the hotel and trying to, get autographs and different things like that and everyone's been really supportive getting all these messages and um even just the feeling in the group like knowing that we're going to be playing in an afl grand final and just you know the vibes that you get at training um the people that show up at training to support you and it's pretty crazy like just to be a part of that and then even the um the captain's run before the game is i think there's like 40 40 000 were there or something like that and everyone's just cheering and um you know get getting around the team and you just feel so so lucky to be there yeah excellent and so what was your mindset going into the grand final itself was there ever any chance that you might have snuck back in or anything like that you assume you were named as an emergency yeah yeah named an emergency um yeah no i i kind of i kind of realized at the time that it probably won't come back in just because now, I'd have to hope on someone getting sick or something to be able to play. Um, you know, it's probably not going to happen, um, especially the day before the game. So I kind of knew I wasn't going to be playing. So my next part was just, you know, doing as much as I can to support them. And um, that was, you know, even just going out on the field when when the boys are warming up and just having a kick with them if they needed it and different things yep. like that instead. So yep. just trying to be as supportive as I could um, and just take it in as much as I could at the time so yeah i was going to ask you that did you have a specific role on the day you said you went out for a kick with them and things like that did, did they give you a specific role or are you free just to do what you feel like doing or um yeah so as an emergency you pretty much got to be um you got to be at the game uh like out on out on the ground or with the boys until the um until the first bounce so as soon as the first bounce goes up then we're officially could not we cannot play the game so now, even if someone got injured one second into the game, we, we can't be that person that plays. So that means from there on, we can go and sit with the rest of the boys that aren't playing and in um, in a box and just you know chill out and be with them. 
Um, but uh, yeah, before that, it's pretty much um, you're just in your track suits, um, doing everything everyone else is, but just not um, obviously playing. Yep. Do you st- this might be a hard question to answer, but do you still feel part of it? Um, you, yeah, you do. You definitely feel part of it in terms of you're obviously there with, you know, you're one of the lucky 20, I think it's 25 that get picked that are, um, get to be there on grand final day. Um, so you're one of those lucky ones that are there in the change rooms and being able to you know, run, even just be on the ground um, on grand final day as well. Like the rest of the boys are not allowed to do that because they're not emergency. So you still feel a part of it, but at the same time, it's, I don't know. I don't know if I feel more, um, disappointed, obviously being in emergency, than not being in emergency at all. Because in a way, you kind of like you're like you're there, but you're you're so close to the game, but you're not actually in the game. So yeah, um, yeah, it can it can get get on your mind a little bit. But um, again, you just got to try and be as supportive as you can to everyone else. Yeah, obviously, it's a, a bit of an emotional roller coaster on the day. Do you ever let any feelings creep in? Of this might sound really silly, but I hope that they don't win today because I want to win a flag with them and go next year or anything like that. Is there ever is there ever anything like that that creeps into your mind or are you just so hell-bent as a group on that ultimate success that you just want them to win as as the football club? Yeah, oh, I'd be lying if I said it doesn't creep into your mind. I think everyone that, you know, everyone that wasn't playing or, you know, were close to playing but didn't get to play, you know, feels a bit of that in a way. But at the same time, it's just you've got to be so so resilient and so dedicated to the group that, um, you know, anything you can do or even just the little one percenters of supporting um, could push the boys over the line. Like that's the thing. So yeah, it's, it's so hard because obviously you do feel that way. You, you obviously playing, I played every single final up until that point. And, um, you know, if they would have ran out there and won, like in a way I probably would have felt like I'd, I'd been robbed of a, you know, a granny or not, you know, just, you feel like you're just so close or should be there, but you just can't get it quite get there. So I guess that would have got me a little bit, but um, yeah, it's just, you just somehow got to find a way. Like there's no real answer for it. That's the thing. Like it's, you wish that there was just a, you know, a real simple answer to be like, Oh, how do I deal with this? But it's not, it's just, just find any way possible to, to help the guys. Mm, there's no handbook on it, is there? Like, and especially nah. because you only had two days to prepare yourself, really, didn't you, for for that yeah, exactly. emotional roller coaster? So, what about the aftermath after the grand final? Then, how did you sort of get around the boys and, and things like that? Yeah, well, again, then things kind of changed. So now everyone, like at this point after the game, everyone um, feeling like I kind of was. I was feeling obviously down that I'm not playing in it, um, but now I feel even worse because all the boys have obviously we haven't had the success we we've wanted and. Um, we pretty much, yeah, we, we had a quick talk, um, it was very quick. And then it was just, ha- you know, have a couple of drinks and just obviously not celebrate, but just be around each other, support each other as best we could, um, into the night as well, you know, have, have some more drinks there to celebrate obviously the year that we have had it, even though we lost, um, and then just reassure each other that, um, we've got a young group and we're going to be around the mark for the next, you know, four to five years. So. You know, we've got plenty of success to come. Yeah. Does a young club like the Bulldogs, do you treat the season as a success or would that be taking your eye off the ball a little bit? Would would you, would you are they more likely to treat it as we didn't quite get there, we didn't quite achieve a successful no, season? I think we've taken it the other way. I think it's been more, um, it's been a successful season considering that 
what we've actually had to go through this year to play um, and the traveling we've had to do, the quarantine we've had to do. You know, we were, we were at one hotel at, uh, in Brisbane where you weren't allowed to leave your room until this. they came over the intercom to say, all right, you can go out and grab your, your dinner, which um, we're playing the next day and we're having dinner at like, I think we ended up having dinner at like nine o'clock or something because that was, I think one of the boys might have walked out of the room early or something and set it back again. Like that, that, yeah. that was how silly it was. Like it was just, there was at stages there, everyone was like, like, why, why do we have to do this? Or like, what are we doing? Like, this is just, this is getting ridiculous. And mm. um, so considering all of that, like the year we've had has just been, yeah, a really successful year because um, we've been able to battle through so much and, um, and, and be able to get to the, to the right to the end, just not quite over the line. So yeah. I think yeah, again, we just reinsured ourselves that um, if we if we stay on the on the right path and we we don't drop off, that we should be we should be successful in the future. Yeah. So just quickly, just tell us about playing footy in these COVID times. Obviously, it's it, it's something that the world has never seen before, and I'm hoping that we don't see it for much mm. longer. But it must be just it must just mess your mind up, just not knowing you know whether you can travel to this state or at the last minute this can be cancelled or, you know, games are getting changed yeah. at the last minute and things like that. Is it, just explain to us what it's like. Yeah, it was um, it, it was such a difficult two, oh, obviously both these years. Um, last year being in a hub for most of the year and then um, this year being travelling around but still hubbing as well. But, um, yeah, just really difficult. It's um, something that we had to adapt to and, and learn to get used to. And um, it was hard because, you know, even when we played down in Caddy um, after the game, you know, we got a crowd, you know, there's a crowd there at the game and um, my parents are there. I haven't seen them in so long. I think it was, you know, half a year and, and, it, and my sisters as well. And, and my sister's newborn and they're, they're standing there on one side of this fence and I'm on the other side of the fence and I'm not allowed to, you know, I'm not allowed to give them a hug or anything. I'm, I've got to stand, you know, a couple of meters apart from them because that's the that's the rules. And mm. um, you know, that's, that's physical because you know, that's the set probably. I think it was like the second or third time I'd seen my nephew, and you know, you just want to give her, you know, pick her up and and hold her and um, give my family a hug in different parts. So it was hard. It was definitely hard. But um, the I guess it, again, the thing you kind of think of is there's people doing it much harder than what we, we were. And um, that's the, the honest truth that there's people that have lost their jobs or can't work or are literally being stuck in Melbourne the whole time and not be able to leave their home. So to be able to actually travel around and do what we were doing was such a privilege um, in itself. Like we, we shouldn't be given a privilege just because we're sportsmen. So um, yeah, that's the way I was looking at it is just that whatever they throw at us in a way, you just got to, take it on your chin and um, there's definitely people worse off than us. Yeah. So that's a lot of the serious stuff that we've covered off on, mate. And as I said, they've got a few other things that I want to go through with you as yeah. well. But um, you've obviously shared the locker room with some pretty handy footballers. Um, what yeah. What do you think sets the great ones apart from, you know, the the role players and things like that? Is there anything that you can yeah. put a finger on? Yeah, well, I, it's, um, it's a great question. It's I, I honestly believe that it's, it kind of comes down to how they, that individual handles certain situations. Like, um, I don't know, to me, people like Marcus Bontempelli, like the amount of, well, just in general in AFL, being an AFL player, there's so much scrutiny on, on you performing well. Um, you know, it, 
it starts in the club to start with. You know, if you don't, if you're not performing, you're not playing AFL football. You're playing VFL football, and then you're on the chopping blocks. Um, so it starts there. But then when you actually start playing ASL as well, um, just the amount of scrutiny you're under, like you know, everyone has a phone or has some type of social media, so they can get. It's not hard to get my Instagram up or get someone's Instagram up and message them and send them an abusive message or, you know, anything like that. So it's, and then it's just, yeah, it's, it's something so hard. So I think the best players are the ones that can actually handle that, um, that scrutiny, that um, ability to perform each week, the people that can do that and just come out and just do the exact same thing each week and play really well. They're the ones that obviously work out to be the best players because they just, they just don't get phased by any of that. Their their processing is always, you know, if they make a mistake, they're straight back onto it. All right, what can I do next to make up for that mistake instead of thinking about the mistake and different things like that? It's just a real. They're just really honed in on their on their abilities, and um, that's what makes makes them so great. I think. Yep. I again, Marcus Bontempelli is one of a, a great example of someone who just works extremely hard. Like he. You'll rock up at the club and he'll be doing extras straight away as soon as you roll in the door. Like he's he's someone who's, that is just working hard um, every second that he's in the club. He's always trying to better himself. Um, they're the ones that they're the ones that just are just workhorses. Again, they work so extremely hard. Obviously, he's got a lot of um, ability that has come come with just being obviously his generics and stuff. So there's that side of it as well. But um, it's great to see guys like him who obviously are stars um, or is a star and um, that just works so hard. Like there's not anything I could fold him on. Everything he does, he is professional and, and does everything to the absolute best that he can. So um, obviously that's just someone that you want to follow. And, and when he does that kind of thing, it just lifts all us boys to do it as well. We all want to do exactly what he's doing. So, mm. um, Did you happen to share the locker room at all with Gary Ablett Jr. when you were at Geelong at all? Yeah, yeah. So my yep. um, final my final year at yep. Geelong was when Gary came back to the club. Yeah. Can you tell us a, a couple of things about him, which sort of sets him apart? Obviously, some people would argue he's the greatest player that's ever played the game. Um, I don't know what your opinion is on that, but what sort of sets him apart, would you say? And what, what sort of person is he behind closed doors? Yeah, well, to start with, with his personality, he's a, he's a great, um, really great human. He's so... He's very quiet, to be honest. Like he's a quiet guy, um, but he's just so such a genuinely nice person. Um, just wants the best interests in everyone. Um, obviously, when he gets out on the ground, he's just a super super competitive person. He just wants to do to beat everyone. And obviously, that side of it, I guess a lot of people see, and they don't see um, probably see him from who he is from a personal point of view. But um, yeah, he's he's such a great guy. But yeah, he's just a, again another great example of someone who works extremely hard. Um, you know, he, he's always looking to better his skills. Um, even when he came back to the club, and I I got to have a year with him, um, he was still trying to to better himself and do as best as he can. He was he was at the end of his career then as well. So, mm. um, you know, it's just again it comes down to that that hard work. Like that's what I've kind of noticed the most is that guys that seem to be successful seem to work the hardest and seem to have all those parts um, installed in them or seem to, you know, just find a way to work on whatever it is they need to, to become better. And um, the guys that don't do that, the guys that just kind of go through the motions and think that it's going to happen for them, it doesn't work out the way that they want it to. So yeah, you have the um, guys that 
are in between as well. The guys that have all the talent and um, are born with that talent somehow just obviously don't do the hard work but make their way through as well, which uh, kind of anomalies in a way. But, um, you know, most of the time, the ones that are really stars, genuinely good players, uh, seem to be the ones that do all the work. Mm. And it's obviously something that's ingrained in them. As you say, someone like him to come back to the club, I think he was 33, 34, something like that. He probably had the one of the greatest AFL careers in history, but he still wanted to learn and improve and, and things like that. Yeah. It's just it's just who they are, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, yep. They just have something in them that is always, they're always trying to either get better or just want to keep going and prove, you know, prove people wrong or prove, prove to themselves that they can still do it and all that mm. kind of stuff. So, yep. Speaking about players like that, who would you say would be the best player that you've played with or that you've seen up close? Um, gee, that's a great one. I reckon, y'all, oh, look, I'm going to go with Marcus um, just purely because, I don't know, obviously being in the system now for six years, I've um, you know come across guys that are absolute guns that don't work hard and, um, you know, that stuff to me shoots me like I'm, I, I just, can't understand it like why you wouldn't work hard in um in such a short career path like you know you only get a certain amount of years there's so many people in the world of in australia that want to do what you do and you don't work if you're not willing to work hard for it or you know but you're still getting games or you're still playing and everything like that that just yeah makes me wild but yeah marcus is one of those people that just there's not one minute of the day when he's at the club where he isn't trying to better himself and um and it, just his ability, like when you're watching play, he's so silky, just mm. does everything so right. Um, and he's not a he's not a player that just is looking to obviously be a, an attacking player. Like he's he plays a defensive role as well. You know, he's, I don't know how many games I've seen him, um, you know, sliding back into defence and he's spoiling a ball or something. Like you don't see many great midfielders do that. They are, yep. they're very attacking players. Like they'll have they'll just kick goals or, you know, want to do all that stuff, not do the, the gritty stuff where you've got to run back and spoil a ball or jump into a pack, you know, running backwards, jumping into a pack or something like that. That's, that's Marcus. He does it, he does it all. So, yep. yeah, that's why I'd say he's the best. And um, as far as players that you've played on, who's been your toughest matchup? Has anyone actually taken you to the cleaners? Yeah, I've had – so in my – what game would that have been? That would have been – I think that might have been my third or fourth game. I – I wouldn't say he's the best I've ever played on, but he took me to the cleaners and that was um, Hipwood um, from yep. Brisbane. He, he he ended up kicking a few goals on me, um, which was a great learning a great learning game for me because it was probably one of my first games. I was still at that stage in my career where, um, you know, you're obviously in the team, but you don't know if you fully belong and you're like, you know, am I good enough to make it this level? A lot of thoughts go through your head and um, it was one of those games where I made a lot of mistakes that, um, if I just had a clear head, I probably wouldn't have made. So um, for me, that was a, a great learning game playing on him. Um, yep. But yeah, the hardest one I've ever played on is probably Tom Hawkins. He's, he's okay. genuinely one of the hardest guys to play on um, just in terms of his, he's so strong and he's so good in a one-on-one. So if, if um, at any stage, you know, the ball gets kicked and it's just you and him there, it's uh, extremely hard to beat him. Have you actually played on him in a game or was that just in training that you're talking about? No, no, I played on him in a game. Um, yep. Yeah, played played a couple of times now. Um, haven't played on him the whole game, but the times I do play on him, I find him the hardest to play on just because he's so... And obviously as well, because I played on him a lot at training um, when I was at Geelong. Um, he He's just so smart, so crafty. Um, 
but then is also so strong and um, so good in the one-on-one contest. So yep. he makes himself, yeah, just an all-round really good good forward. Yeah. Do you have any bander with him at all, knowing him pretty well? <laughs> yeah, well, each, each time, it's, he's, um, yeah, he's just been great in terms of my career as well. Like, I got along with him really well at, at, um, at, the, at Geelong. So, yeah, each time I've actually played against Geelong, he's, you know, one of the first people, even when I'm running out in position, you know, he's always, you know, give me a tap on the ass and saying how you going and stuff like that. Yep. Um, and then when the game starts, he just runs through me. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you obviously now play with a couple of um, pretty out there type characters, and I know that all um, football clubs have them. Do you have any stories that you can share about what goes on around the football club and random things that these guys get up to? Uh, they're just like, I don't know. Um, yeah, so some of the boys are even like. Tom Libertore, he's just such a character. Character, he's so funny. Yep. Um, it's so lifting. Like you're obviously there to uh, work hard, and um, when you get that bit of time between, you know, like weights and training or something like that, and you know they're making you laugh and just doing funny things. They're just hooligans. Like they just, they just, just do weird things that you just like laugh at because it's weird, but it's yep. funny. And do they play tricks on each other or anything like that? Do they? Is there any of that? Oh sort of yeah, stuff we've got them. We got some good, got like some guys that are um, very banterish and um, do some pranks and different things like that. We've we've got a whiteboard as well in our cha- in our um, change rooms where it's we write write some things up on there and it's pretty funny. Yeah, just like things that have happened throughout the week that have been funny. They write that up on there and different things like that. So that's that's good as well. But yeah, it's our club's really good with because um, we're all so young. Everyone's just obviously in that age bracket where we're a bit. Bit, bit of loose a, still. I don't know, a bit loose still, which is good. So <laughs> just makes it enjoyable. Excellent. Now I've got a funny story about you in a second, but I'm going to ask you, what's the funniest thing that you reckon's happened in the time that you've been at the club? Is there anything that comes to mind? Oh, so I think I think it's the same one that you're probably going to say in a second, I reckon. <laughs> Tell us about the nickname Plums. Yeah, so <laughs> I reckon it was yeah, last year we um oh no, it was my it was my first year at the dogs. Um we we had a camp where we go to um, up the peninsula way in Victoria and we go to these like little um, rock pools. Pretty much, there's a uh, we all stand around this rock pool and then um, Bevo grabs this medallion that is kind of like our values at the club. And the new guys have to um, he chucks it in the water. And new guys got to dive in and grab this medallion. And then everyone claps or whatever, and the next guy does it. So yeah, it came up to my turn and. Um, yeah, just had the togs on and um, jumped jumped in into the water. And as I've jumped in, my um, my togs have come down, <laughs> and I've readjusted them. I thought at the time when I was underneath the water and put it all back in, and um, yeah, came back up and couldn't see where this medallion was. It was that cold, like you couldn't even dive down. It was freezing, so I couldn't feel anything. Dove back down anyway. Got this medallion, came up, everyone's cheering, and then I've gone to sit back up onto the um up onto the side of this rock pool where all the other boys are on the other side. So I've pushed up and sat down on this rock pool and facing everyone else on the other side and Bevo's next to me. And then they're all laughing, they're losing their shit. And I'm I'm one why why is everyone laughing and it's just weird. And and then Bevo taps me on the shoulder and then he goes he points down and goes, Your plums out <laughs> And then yeah, everyone was losing it. And then I realised popped it back in and I was like, oh God. You still copping about oh, yeah. that? 
Yeah, no, I'm still called Clums today. Everyone, everyone still calls me Clums, and yeah. um, yeah, it's a pretty good one though. So you've got to get a nickname somehow, mate. It's just a more yeah, extreme exactly way right. of going about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> right. It's the first nickname I've ever had, so I'll, yeah. Give us a quick overview of being an AFL footballer in Melbourne. I know a lot of players um, end up getting out of Melbourne and playing for interstate clubs just because of the extra, you know, um, attention and things from the public and things like that. And obviously now I'd imagine you're getting a little bit more attention than when you were kicking six for the VFL in, in Geelong. Obviously yeah. you, you're a little bit more high profile now, but um, what is it like wandering around town as an AFL footballer? Well, obviously you're not wandering around at the moment, but yeah. overall, what's it yeah, like? Yeah, no, it's... Um... Oh, in Melbourne, it's fine. Like, obviously, I'm, I've played, uh, what have I played now? Close to 20-something games. So, I'm, I haven't played it, you know. I'm not a big-name player or anything like that. So, for me, it's fine. When I go around Yarraville and stuff, some, you know, people will rec- some people will recognise me and say g'day and different things like that, which is nice. But, um, yeah, for me, it's pretty pretty normal. Like, I don't really have too much of that. When I come back to Tassie, obviously, everyone, I know everyone more from, a you know, growing up with them. So, it's, it's a bit, and I'm never really there, so it's always like, you know, I get to have a chat and obviously the first question everyone seems to ask me is how's footy going and all of that stuff, which, you know, you go go back through it all and you kind of end up saying the same thing over a million times. But it's um, it's just nice to know that obviously people want to um, still connect and and want to know how you're going and how footy is and yep. all that stuff as well. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pretty normal. And from your own community too, they're probably as proud of you as your parents are as well. They're probably happy to, yeah, exactly. to see that you're going so well. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, um, you know, that's a way that I've been able to deal with some of the, probably the negativity as well. Like I've had such a good support group around me and um, and such good support in terms of back home that um, has helped me probably get to playing consistent games and stuff like that because yeah definitely early days you know when um when i first started out uh, and started playing um afl it was it was hard like i wasn't playing the best footy i'd ever played i was probably playing pretty poorly and um you know i was really mentally in my head about um my performance and and even just being in the team and different things like that and um you know and then you start getting all this hate from you know people that don't even know you or don't know anything about um, you know, what you're going through or footy and, you know, or playing at AFL level or anything like that. It's just, you know, people that have a phone and want to abuse you. So, um, yeah, it was it was great to have all that support from everyone back home because, um, and, and obviously my support around here as well because it, it just really helped me kind of just figure out that that's just part of it. There's always going to be people that are um, obviously on your bandwagon and people that don't really... Uh, support you so yeah just filtering it out and making sure that um the ones that do support you that you look after them and um and that you have them there for when it is tough yeah well that was one of the things i was going to touch on with you so obviously the mental health side but as well one of your teammates bailey smith recently opened up um on another podcast he spoke about you know his mental struggles and and things like that and um yeah you, you've been through some dark times yourself what what do you do to manage it and obviously in this day and age of social media like you say like you're copying mm. heat from people that you don't even know so there's that extra yeah pressure. yeah definitely yeah again like, like i said it's um it comes down to um building a framework of support around you um you know my my partner is one of my biggest supporters um you know someone that i go to now is every day with something that if, if i'm having a problem like i'll chat to her about it and she's really understanding and has been through everything with me um so far in terms of my my career and 
um, yeah, that's to me, I guess that's the way that you kind of deal with it is that you just need to have people around you that, um, that, that can support you. And, and on top of that as well, you know, from a social media perspective, like, you know, I've got my accounts all set up so that if there is, ne- if it is too negative or, you know, if it is a, um, if the message does pick up as a negative one in a certain way that it'll, it won't even show up, it'll just go to a, a, um, a different folder or it'll come up as hidden and stuff like that. So, um, all of that. And then, and then take time as well. As, um, as I was talking about, like when you first start off, it's, it is a massive eye opener on how much people have an opinion and want to, um, you know, say their opinion to you and how easy it is for them to get a hold of you in, in certain ways. And, um, so after time, you kind of learn to just it, to realize that it's part of it and, um, you just got to be able to, kind of put it aside and know that what what you're thinking or like what what you believe in or what you think you are um that's that's the most important part you just got to back yourself in and in that you're capable of doing it yeah you talk about the people around you as well i have got word as well that your dad is quite a boisterous supporter of yours is that right when he comes yeah. to games he gets quite loud yeah he's, he's a very boisterous supporter he's um <laughs> again like that's that's just coming from obviously being a um from a remote place like he's he hasn't had to deal with obviously this this kind of um, scrutiny or you know having so many people eyes on certain people and stuff like that. So you now when he comes to the games and stuff, he's he finds it very hard to especially if he hears negative stuff towards me or negative stuff in, in general. He finds it very hard not to voice his opinion and even you know when we're playing like you know just even him saying you know yelling out things as well. Like um, it's hard for him not to, I guess, but. Um, hopefully, yeah, he's working on that as well. It's it's something that obviously it's not just me. That's that's the thing that I've kind of come to know now is that it it doesn't just affect me either. Like um, being an AFL footballer, also they're able to reach out to the people that you love as well, which is which is sad in a way, but also um, can be good because they now that I've started to go pretty well, they're starting to get a lot more positive stuff. But um, yep. it can be it can be negative at times as well, like. That's just the the very scary part about it that um you know my partners receive things about me that um are just horrible, but um you can't stop it. It's just social media is how it is, and um you just gotta learn to deal with it and yep. yeah, put it aside. So rather than trying to stop stop the issue because unfortunately it'll probably never stop, it's just the world we live in, it's just learning to to deal with it as it comes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah. Um, so what are your goals for next year, mate? Like what are you what are you looking at doing as far as football and life and things like that? Yeah, so I'm um obviously from a football perspective, I just want to obviously put a whole year on the park. I don't really hope you not to get injured and just be able to be consistently in the team. Um, yeah, again, end goal trying to make that grand final. So hopefully we can do that again next year. Um from off field perspective, I'm um I study architecture, so I'm I'm pretty heavily studying um, throughout the year just on that because obviously being out of the system uh, once um, kind of shocked me a little bit and obviously made me realise that you need to have something behind you. So um, studying that pretty heavily. Yep. I'm really keen on that. I've been studying that for a while now, so I'm um, yeah really excited to to keep going down that pathway and hopefully uh, one day be be fully qualified. I think I've got about eight more sub or six to eight subjects left of um, the course that I'm doing at the moment. And then after I finish that, I'll go straight into architecture for another, I think it's like another three years. So, yep. 
Um, yeah, obviously doing it part-time though because of footy. So um, it'll be a long grind than that. But um, it's just good to know that I, I've kind of got what I want to do after footy and I've, I can um, work towards that. The last couple that I've got for you, mate, what's the best bit of advice that you've got in your life and who did it come from? Um, yeah, well, again, I think I've touched on it a fair bit, but my best bit of advice would probably be from my father. Um, definitely at a young age, when I said that I wanted to be an AFL footballer, he he believed in me straight away and he said that um, if you work hard enough for the things that you want in life, that they'll come true. And um, that has stuck with me yeah, throughout my whole, whole entire life. I've... Um, never thought of anything differently when i have a goal or if there's anything in life that i want um yeah i just work extremely hard towards it do everything i can you know figure out every part of it or whatever it is that has to be done and just work as hard as i can to get there yep and for any young kid in tassie like say if there's another kid in smithton on a dairy farm that wants to become an afl footballer that's that's the advice you'd give them yeah definitely it's um you know i again like i said earlier i when I was growing up in Smithton and um, playing footy, there were players that were definitely better than me, and um, they, you know, I, I was I was still okay. I don't I don't think I was a bad player or anything. I just I mean that they were definitely um, definitely better, and um, the reason why I made it and maybe they didn't was probably along the lines of me just you know working is working my ass off to kind of just get to where I wanted to get to, and yeah, um, that's just the main main thing that I've kind of stuck by ever since is. Um, yeah, nothing is. I think, and, and I think it comes as a mental thing as well. When you when you start to think, you know, doubt starts to pop in your mind that oh, maybe I'm not good enough to do this or different things like that. Then you start to kind of lose track of that dream, and you might not make it. Whereas if you just work hard and you and you have that dream, you yeah, I'm going to make it, and you just keep telling yourself that you're going to make it. Um, you become more confident, you become more more on task, and you and you get to where you need to get to. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I think that's sort of proven you in pretty good stead through through your career, mate. And I know that, you know, you definitely are going to make it. And, you know, it's it's just through that continuous grind, isn't it? And sort of doing the doing yeah. the right things and, and having that mindset. And, you know, I just want to congratulate you on your career so far and and what you've, you know, what you've been through and what you've been able to overcome. And as I say, for as far as the podcast concerned, it's certainly, you know, it's one of the reasons why we want to do what we do because there will be other people out there that are going through their own doubts and challenges and things yeah. like that. And, you know, I just, just want to wish you all the best in your footy career moving forward, mate. And, um, you know, in, uh, in a few years when you've played 300 games, we'll do a face-to-face one of these. It won't be over zoom. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. <laughs> COVID yeah, will piss off so we can actually um, <laughs> sit down and do it. And, um, you know, and, and after your career finishes, you know, we'll, um, we'll look forward to you being a famous architect. So, Yep. You're gonna, oh, you're gonna make pl- plenty of dosh one way or another. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> try to anyway. That's yeah. the main goal. I want to um, also thank my sources for giving me a few a few stories. Apparently, there's a couple about barley which they said that I could raise with you, but I'm probably best not to. So we'll leave those for another. <laughs> I definitely, day. I definitely know who they are. Then I'll be texting them as soon as I get off this get off this soon. Tassie's a small place, mate. You know that. <laughs> yeah, bloody oath. Nah. No, I appreciate it. I really appreciate you having me on, and um, yeah, love what you're doing. It's, you know, like like I said, I went through a few of the other ones that you've done, and um, yeah, it's, it's I love love people that try to bring hope to other people in terms of especially where we're from on on in Tassie up the northwest coast and up that way. It's there's obviously a lot of um, things that happen, or you know, there's lots of things that can drag you down in um, in Tassie, and um, yeah, what you're doing on on this podcast and trying to get people to 
obviously had belief is the main thing. So um, yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty crazy and um, really really respect that. So. Thanks, mate. Much appreciated. Like I say, you know, all the best, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in the grand final next year. Appreciate it, mate. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope you got plenty out of that. Um, yeah, just super impressed with Ryan's mindset, and um, yeah, can't thank him enough for his his honesty and openness in telling his story. Um, yeah, it hasn't come without its setbacks, and uh, I'm sure people with a with a different mindset might not have been able to overcome the the challenges that he's had. So. Uh, thanks also to Dan Bat for helping me tee this one up. Yeah, oh, you beer, mate. Thank you for listening, and if you want to keep supporting the podcast, make sure you like, subscribe. Um, we're now uh, getting up with 2019. We're on Instagram. Um, who would have thought? So, yeah, if you get a moment, jump onto that one too and uh, give us a follow as well so you can keep up to speed with uh, the shenanigans that we're up to. Keep listening, and we will talk to you soon. Yeah.